Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, the Federal Law Enforcement Agency of the United States Air Force. I'm Hannah, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I've been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Hello. Welcome back, archivists. Woohoo! We're back in the studio. Yes. And I'm sorry if we both sound a little nasally. I think I sound sick compared to you. Yeah, but the COVID did get me. Uh, it did. Early January, so... We so we're t- we've taken a little bit of a longer break because of that. We weren't originally. I think I told you guys no longer than a month is what I wanted, but then we both got sick and my kids got sick. And it's you just guys been... didn't have COVID though. Oh, no. I'm sorry. You you outdo me. You had COVID. <laughs> you won up to me. I'm so sorry. Oh, I, I just want to make it clear. Yeah. So you were here for Thanksgiving. Then you guys went to California for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I went fishing for New Year's Eve weekend in West Virginia. You know, we were just relaxing and doing our thing. And then, um, yeah, then it, it got me pretty good. And then, you, of course, your mother got sick. Mm-hmm. So, And then we got sick. Just regular. <laughs> yeah, regular sick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're back. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, by the way. Hannah's still been at my house all that time, most of the time. So, so it's, it's not so like dramatic. I'm sitting here saying, oh, she's back and I'm so excited to see her. I've been here once <laughs> in the new year. This is the second time in 2023 I've been here, smarty pants. <laughs> the first time we had no water, so. <laughs> uh, all right. What are we going to do today? What are we? What's our first case of the year? We are in your lane a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're talking about uh, an OSI case, technically, Yep. from... 1995. Yeah, they worked with the the Texas Department of Public Safety, which, yes. which is essentially Texas State Trooper, State Police is what it is. So I specifically, I have their names. We have Special Agent Air Force OSI retired John Whitson, mm-hmm. and then there's Sergeant Investigator Texas Department of Public Safety retired David Jones. That yep. was his official title mm-hmm. on the... Uh, so we are talking about the murder of Tracy Jo McBride. She was born May 27th, 1975 in Centerville, Minnesota, and is described as a high school sweetheart from her family and friends. Mm-hmm. She graduated from Centennial High School in Circle Pines, Minnesota. Not only did she do theater and choir in high school, but she was also a cheerleader who also liked to bake. She was described by her family as just being so joyous and happy all the time. She's very outgoing the whole nine yards, mm-hmm. right? Uh, They were a little surprised when she expressed to her family that she wanted to join the military. She wanted to join the army and she wanted to do it before going to college. She wanted to do it right out of high school. And that's exactly what she did in April of 1994. She went to boot camp in South Carolina and she went on to graduate at the top of her class from company D fourth battalion, 13th infantry regiment. I mean, she was really motivated to to join the army. So it's kind of weird. It shows you, but wait a minute. You have so much more to offer. It's like is like what the family's saying, right? That's she could do all those things in the army too. Yeah, believe her, it or not, her dad wanted her to go to college first because he was yeah. in the military too. Yeah, and he was, you know, he loved it. He but he wanted her to go to college first. Mm-hmm. But would they pay for your college back then too? In yeah, yeah, yeah. So While could, you're in, yeah, yeah, uh, so. yeah. 
either way but she i mean they just her friends and family again said that you know it was just what she knew she was mm-hmm. meant to do that she was mm-hmm. that's what, just what she wanted to do uh so she graduated the top of her class she then went to intelligence training out in California. Mm-hmm. And then from there, she went to San Angelo, Texas to Goodfellow Air Force Base, which is where the intelligence training is done for all branches of the military. So it was yeah. all branches were there. Right. This is the type of career field that at that point, there's it's like a joint training environment. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have that in, for some some things. And yeah. Yep. So you uh, have Marines, you have Navy, Air Force. Yep, but it's an Air Force base, base so right. that's it's why complete, complete Air Force base, right? That's why OSI is uh-huh, in right. charge, right? Yep. So, do you want to explain, like, so OSI usually handles what the Air Force and Army, and then NCIS is Navy and Marine Corps usually. Well, people don't know that by now. I don't think we've ever really taught. Well, I don't think I, we've ever really clarified. Yeah, so that. I was in the Air Force. I was a special agent with the Office of Special Investigations. So that they did. Criminal investigations uh, for, you know, the Air Force. Their investigative purview was the Air Force. Obviously, NCIS is the Navy. And Army CID is the Army. The Marine Corps didn't have one. They just had the NCIS covered the Marine Corps and the Navy. Um, so this being Goodfellow Air Force Base, and, and this is going to be in the 90s, so there wasn't um, the joint base concept yet. So, the the investigative purview was uh, of Air Force OSI. Okay. So, February 18th, 1995, it's a Saturday. Tracy has only been here at this base for nine days. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had laundry duty. A couple things that I read, now this was conflicting um, information, but mm-hmm. a couple things said that she was doing laundry, and I think that was just probably the reporter's or the whoever was writing the article getting that wrong. Yeah. It seems pretty clear that she had laundry duty. So duty. Just, I'm just clarifying Which that was, in case you re- do your own research. Yeah, and then the documentary suggests that she was, what she had to do was like sign people in going in and out of the, yeah. the place to use the laundry. Do you remember having to do that? No, that was weird for me. It's a training environment. So training environment, you did stuff like that, you, you know. Well, and what year did you originally join the Air Force? 1984. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was 88 for some reason. Mm-mm. Oh, I'm making you younger than you are. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so she has laundry duties. She does have to make sure that everyone signs in and out. So there is a clipboard with a sheet. You're right. And, and so we know that's the case because the investigation, right? I believe. Yeah. So I, they I know a little bit more that. in this case than I should. Usually Hannah surprises me and then I jump right in. But yeah. Yeah. So they... There was a clipboard with people signing in and out. So that's how we know she was doing laundry duty. Right. So it's really slow. It's a Saturday night. There's not a whole lot going on. Not a whole lot of people doing laundry. So there's a phone there. So she uses the phone to call her best friend. They talked for a few minutes um, about a date that her friend had gone on. Just talking about like girl things. Because again, she's still like she's right out Mm -hmm. of high school. She's still Mm -hmm. pretty young, right? Uh, The phone goes muffled and her friend says that she hears her, Tracy say, I can't right now, I'm on the phone long distance or something along those lines, and then the phone just goes dead. Okay, so the friend talks about thinking that she'd probably just got in trouble, which I probably would have thought the same thing too. Right, she's talking to her friend. Mm-hmm. Did You you went kind of through that fast. So her friend heard, yes. heard that. Yes, the friend. Her friend heard her say, I can't right now, I'm talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. And then 
There's that muffled sound like there's, you know, putting the hand over the phone or something's going on. Yeah, and then the phone goes dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the friend just assumes that she got in trouble for being on the phone and she goes back to sleep. Had to hang up fast or something. Yeah. No, that's that's not a, a crazy assumption. I would have probably thought the same thing. Like, oh, you're, I mean, you're, you're supposed to be working mm-hmm. right out of boot camp. I would have thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, uh, Private Michael Peacock and Marine Sergeant John Peoples were near the laundry room and... Peacock, Private Peacock, recognizes Tracy and like sees her, and she to him kind of looks like she's being forced out of the building with uh, a man, mm-hmm. and so they follow the two of them because to them that seems suspicious, which mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty. And then they awesome. act on it. This is great. I, really, we'll talk about it, but I think this is probably going to be one of the most important points. I like mm-hmm. to point out the. The points that are very, very important in the investigation that people don't pay attention to. And this is one of them. When I was watching the episode for the first time, I thought I noticed that myself, like that point, them yeah. following her and doing something about it. Because I guess they're on a military base, they're, they're on an intelligence mm-hmm. base. It makes sense that maybe they, that would be their first thought. But off base in the civilian world, that would not happen probably. That a normal yeah. person would just run after, if they mm-hmm. saw something suspicious, that they would just run after them. I don't think that happens a whole lot in this yeah, world. Th- unfortunately, I think you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, and these guys, they they did. They said, "Hey, this is mm-hmm. this is not there's something not right. Let's go check this out. Let's go follow her." So, uh, Sergeant Peoples is trying to find someone to call nine one one. He's trying to find people to help. And Private Peacock goes and he sees her, and he's going up to her, and he gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he goes down, and then he wakes up, and she's gone. Mm-hmm. Which that how terrifying that must be too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he has cuts in his mouth. He has bruises to his face and his neck. And when the investigators arrive, they're able to tell that it looks like he was by the, I guess, the what the bruise looks like. Mm-hmm. It looks like it was a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're able to get that. And he is able to give investigators a description of what the man yeah, looked like. Yeah, this didn't happen really fast, though, because he was in the hospital and yeah. he was knocked out and stuff. So Yeah, he couldn't talk right away. Yeah. Um, what I thought was interesting was that special agent Whitson talked about when he got the description, how the private described him as being African American, but then special agent Whitson said, well, you know, that's what he saw, but that's going to rule out people who are Puerto Rican, white people who have a tan. I have all of the lists that he said. Yeah, so they changed. So I liked that he was. Yeah, so he said. So we said a, a dark colored man, Hispanic, Caucasian, all of that. He said a dark colored man instead of African American because yes. that limits that limits the scope, and that's you know very very fair. That's and this is thing. in 1995 that this yeah. guy did that. So that's smart. This is great, great investigative work, by the way. Not uh, you being biased. Yeah, <laughs> I knew you. I, she didn't give me a chance. You didn't give me a chance to ca- caveat. But yeah, yeah, you're right. But that's a great... In 1995, someone yeah. was thinking that. Well, I was even going to point out, again, I don't think that happens a whole lot in the civilian world. If mm-hmm. someone says, I, the person I saw was this color, the law enforcement are typically going to go with that color. I don't think I've ever heard of uh, someone saying, well, that's what they saw, but really let's keep it open to this, you know, to anyone who could have like yeah. a tan, he even said, a white person with a tan, which I thought that was... Right, I mean, and... How many Hispanics are not even dark? Yeah, I'm darker I mean? than mom. Yeah, so 
that I like that. That was cool yeah. that, that he did that. I did also. Yeah. I noticed that anyway. So from here, they have to start their investigation, right? So what do mm-hmm. you do? You have to come up with theories, go to the crime scene. It, well, uh, what, a description, right? So they're talking to the guy. They got the description, right? So mm-hmm. what what can they do with the description? You know, how good of a description is it? Um, so there's a couple of options you can, you know, send out a bolo, um, you know, be on the lookout. They did do but, that. But then you're right. You have to start, you have to start like throwing the net. Wh- who could this be? Mm-hmm. You know, so you're going to look at her, her associates, who are friends, who are associates, who she's dating, that kind of thing. But the problem is she's only been there nine days. Mm-hmm. So keep in mind, She's missing right now. I yeah. don't think I clarified that. Oh, yeah, right. Like, she's just missing, she's, right. Yeah, she's just missing. So they do put out a, what did you say, a be on the lookout? Yeah, be on the lookout. For this man and her. But they're going to talk to... And she's wearing her uniform, by the way. Yeah. She's in her uniform when she goes missing. So they're going to talk to people and kind of understand who she is, too. Mm-hmm. You know, did, is she dispo- does she have the disposition to go um, to, to run away? Now, when you're in the training scenario, this is where a lot of... A lot of people realize that it's not for them, and they're having a hard time coping with it, and then they go AWOL, right? Interesting. So did she go AWOL? So they need to vet through that and talk to people. Maybe talk to the supervisors, uh, her, her coworkers, the people she's in school with, th- that kind of stuff. And they're going to well, they're gonna do two things. Hey, when did you last see her? Talk to her. And what type of person is she? Is, is it possible she went AWOL? I mean, that's Osai's probably thinking right away well maybe she went AWOL mm-hmm. oh, you know despite the little suspicious circumstance they have to rule that out too maybe she manufactured that you know what I mean right and or that, they didn't see what they saw they thought they saw so yeah and that is everywhere they go they talk about going uh they have a theory that it's someone from the base or who mm-hmm. was like prior military who yeah because she's been there base. nine days so yeah. the the people where she just came from like basic military training right mm-hmm. uh, in South Carolina, I think is where she went, mm-hmm. right? So those people know her. And then to California. You know, oh, right, because it was two parts of the training, mm-hmm. right? So, and then people, so those are the only people that know her. So that's, it's, that's pretty, pretty limited pool at this point. Yeah. They go through, obviously, the list of people who signed into the laundry mm-hmm. that night, oh, too. Oh, good call. Yeah, good, good call. That's really where they start. They called in um, the Texas Department of Public Safety, like I mentioned, yeah, um, because Jones. because now it, it it seems like a she's missing, maybe kidnapping. So it, it probably goes, off it, base. It goes off the base, so they have to enlist the, the help, and they don't know what jurisdiction it is. So that's why Department right. of Public Safety is involved, which is the state troopers, you know, okay. state police essentially. They do that, and then they do talk to two of her friends that she was known to like hang out with in those nine days. Uh, two Marines. They end up having airtight alibis, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, did you want to talk about where the special agent went through to get them? Uh, so, yeah. Just cause These are Marines in the training environment, right? Mm-hmm. And the OSI agent apparently had them scheduled for an appointment or something to come in, and they were a no-show. So here's what you do when you have some young Marines that don't show up. <laughs> I've This happened to me in Okinawa. Really? Yeah, you you call the gunnery sergeant, and you tell the gunnery sergeant, and then they're going to make them appear. Um, (laughs) So the way the story goes is that the gunnery sergeant 
um, goes looking for them, and someone says, but they're in class. <laughs> and he he says, they need not to be in class, otherwise I'm going to come after you. I'm going to punish you or something like that. He so, said, you're going to be out of a job, and so will yeah, they. Yeah, so will they. So he got, them, he got them there. But as it turns out, they're sharp yeah. guys, and, and they had alibis, and they paint a picture for her, too. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they... They said, "Oh no, she's not the type to go AWOL." Yeah. No, no. This. Well, is... they also called the family for that theory too. And yeah. Family. Yeah. Like, no. They said, "No, no. This is not. This is no, no. She's committed. This is top in the class. This is not somebody who's going to go AWOL." Yeah. She very much. If I didn't make that known in the beginning, she was excited yeah. to be there. <laughs> but even after the fact, because that happens a lot, you know, people go to basic training and and tech school, and they they just not equipped emotionally to handle the stress and and things that that um that happen like you're one day you're hanging out with your friends like at least for the enlisted one day you're hanging out with your friends hanging out having fun and the next day you're in this strict regiment you know following yeah. orders and oh my god I'm a responsible person I have all, you know so it's it's a lot have you heard the I don't know who who said it or if there's actual statistics but I've always been told that um Military brats are the least likely to make it through boot camp or even basic training or like tech school. Whatever. Really? Why is that? Because we tend to go into it thinking Thinking that we're knowing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, like true military brats, like grew up their whole life through it. Yeah. They go into it. Yeah. They go into it kind of cocky and thinking that they know what they're going to do when they get to it. And they're like, oh, no, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. I've always heard that. So interesting. Makes sense. Okay. So do you want to talk about the crime scenes before we like go further? There's not a whole lot. Yeah. Okay. So crime scene is where she was. So this is probably. We have a couple crime scenes. I'll talk about this first one. So I saw a picture, but let me, I'm thinking, because I'm thinking this is like a laundry room. So there's probably like some hallway at the beginning. Mm -hmm. There's probably a little government chair and table and that's where she is kind of standing by people come in they're signing in so it's probably that's probably the, the scenario i saw the picture and that's kind of what it what it looks like mm-hmm. um oh man the old government furniture too I, um, it reminded yeah. me of the furniture they gave us yeah, in yeah. the first house yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the yeah. like temporary furniture <laughs> yeah. they give yeah, it's you exa- that's exactly what it yeah. was so just sitting there with a the clipboard little table so it's like a hallway probably a lot of people walk back and forth you know so i don't know that there's much like fingerprinting to do or DNA or, or things like that, you know. So I don't know that that there's much to, you know, other than documenting it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you don't, you need to know where it happened, what it look at the size of it, you know, because it'll help you rule in or rule out some theories. But I don't know that there's much evidence to collect. No, not inside the laundry room anyway. Right. And all that they really had, like you said, her cover was left, so her hat. Uh, yeah. Um, and well, then, so that's why you document it, right? So right. that's good. So her Decided. cover. So she would. she's in training. She would not have left probably without her hat. Because why? What is the rule for those yeah, of you us have who to have don't your, know? You have to have your hat on. You're out of uniform when you're, you're outside, outside right? and you don't yes. have your hat. So that's a that would have been like... She based, wouldn't have broken that rule. So again, so... You document the scene. You're taking pictures and stuff. Oh, the hat, right? So we're not collecting evidence, so to speak, DNA, fingerprints, but we're looking there, and it's telling us a story now. And the story is what we know about her is she was committed to the army, right? There's no way in heck she, she would go outside. walked outside without 
for cover. Her her hat. Yeah, mm-hmm. cover is a hat for you non-military mm-hmm. people. <laughs> I didn't is that what you called it? I never called it. I feel cover. like I've heard that's, Brian. That's, that's a, a marine, marine thing. Yeah. <laughs> if that's for those your, of you who don't husband, yeah, yeah, who don't know uh my husband is prior Marine Corps. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a marine thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, they they I think in the documentary yeah. too they called it cover so. Yeah. I'm just used to it. So yeah, now. so that's a good sign. Okay, so maybe this is panning out. We have two guys mm-hmm. that that see something suspicious, like she was under duress, and she doesn't. She leaves her hat there, and then this guy goes out and sees her standing there, and then he gets knocked out. There's definitely a kidnapping here. Yes, he was knocked out. He had been hit with a semi-automatic handgun magazine. That's what it looked like. Yeah. And what they were able to find in that crime scene where he was hit, yeah. there was a blood stain and a 19 millimeter cartridge that had not been spent. Yeah, it's a live, so a live round. What does that mean? What's a live? I don't. I don't know. Greg so talk. it was live round. So the live the, the box of bullets you have before you put them in your gun, those are live rounds. So it just fell out. So he loaded his gun and it just fell out. No, probably when he. Um, Oh, yeah, oh, like when but he hit him, when it he fell hit out? him, maybe or something like that. Maybe the magazine popped out oh, okay. and it, and it popped out or something like that. You know, oh, um, okay. Potentially, that's what probably happened. But it it, it tells the story. It says, oh, someone's got a gun. Um, we're on the base here. You know, probably shouldn't have a gun. Who's got access to the base? There's all kinds of things going through the head. But but it certainly it certainly shows that I, I think that ruled in for them that. Oh, he was hit with a butt of a of a yeah. gun, but now this there's a crime been committed, right? For sure. But yeah, there was blood. The blood was um, the the guy that got knocked out. Yeah, he had so, a concussion. So that I don't know if I mentioned that too. So, right. So that corroborates his story, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's we got a good story again. If not for those two guys, we wouldn't have. We would just have a missing person. Yeah. Because even though he a got knocked person, out, that was further evidence, yeah. right? Had he not yeah. gone out there? We, we just have a missing person who people say, well, you know, she didn't like the Army, so she was leaving. Look, she left her hat here. You know, she would just be a missing person. We wouldn't even know where to go. Yeah. Because this... Uh, I mean, he, they still don't know where to go at this point, but... Because um, this private, he recognized her, too, so yeah. he knew who she was. So Yeah, so those those guys acting, you know, really, really helped. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So did they do a sketch? Yeah, he gave he gave them a Okay, and they were able to get a yeah. sketch artist and, and do that. Okay. Yeah, if I can get it, I'll post it and okay. think I think okay, it's well, pretty accurate. All right. So two weeks is gonna continue to go on. They talked to everyone, they talked to uh her boyfriend. So the two friends that I had mentioned, the two Marines, mm-hmm. they lead investigators to her boyfriend, who is also a Marine. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um okay, because one of the things <laughs> Remember I said you go through the friends and associates and colleagues and she's only been there nine days, but yeah, boyfriends. Okay, so she had a boyfriend. She met him in California at the training in California. Mm-hmm. He was stationed in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, Her family talks about them being so in love, like they were going to get married, mm-hmm. they, this was it. He bought her a piece of jewelry and said, I only buy jewelry for my wife. I'm only going to buy jewelry mm-hmm. for my, my wife, yeah. yeah. And she had told her friend that she was going to marry him. She was smitten Super wow. sweet, yeah. yeah. He was stationed in Virginia. Uh, they were able to, investigators in Virginia were able to talk to him and get his alibi. Mm-hmm. And they determined that he just, there was no way. They ruled him out. Virginia to Texas yeah, in the amount of time. Yeah. Because they were thinking that, oh, maybe the distance was too much for them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, just break up then. My my first thought wouldn't <laughs> go to murder or okay. kidnapping, I mean. <laughs> All right. Wait till we get to the end of this one then. 
the next person that they're going to continuously talk to is her drill sergeant, Sandra Lane. Right. They were kind of so they were they were out of leads at this point. They've already right. talked to her at this point yeah, too. Yeah. They keep the, going back to right. her because so, they were so close. They're, they're out of leads. They talked to the friend again. She's been there nine days. Mm-hmm. They're out of leads. So they said, okay, who knows? Let's bring her back in. But but who who knows? The unit, who knows oh, the yes. squadron or whatever, battalion, I forget what the army calls it, a company, a battalion, whatever it was, whatever level it was, who knows this unit? Battalion, I think. And they called, who, what was her job? She was drill sergeant. Drill sergeant, right? They called her in, but but this wasn't basic training, so she was like a, a training instructor or they something? They said that she was the drill sergeant. Yeah, so they called her in to just sort of give us background about the about the unit. Was there anything unique about her? Yeah, it's. I'll mention it now because it is important. They looked a lot alike. They were the same height, the same body build. They had the same hair, same hair same color. Red hair, the same red bob. You she know. looked up. To, uh, um, Tracy looked up to her like that was who she, the type of mm-hmm. uh, service member she wanted so to this be, the is, type of leader she wanted to be. The, and and really, this is 1995. The Gulf War. The documentary talks about this really well. The Gulf War. You know. Broadcast all over TV, you know. Now people are seeing women and men in combat together, and women pilots. Flying. This was at the height so, of women being allowed yeah, into women, combat. Yeah, and women in the military and being mm-hmm. successful and stuff. So, um, this woman leader, she sort of looked up to her. You know, mm-hmm. they go back to her for you know after two weeks later for another for that conversation about the yeah. their unit. And they ask her, well, who do you think could have right. done it? So here's the, this is good questioning, right? So th- at first, they're just getting background. Tell us about the unit and, and this and that. And most people wouldn't understand why this is a, a, a good question, right? Well, how does she know? Who, who's she going to know, right? So the investigator just said, who do you think could have done this? That one question, that great question, changed the whole investigation in just few minutes so in an archived article that i read it went a little different than the docu the episode showed mm-hmm. the episode said that she says well a scorned lover in the article i read one of i think it was actually uh special agent whitson that was quoting he yeah. said her response to him immediately was that sounds like my ex-husband y- yeah either way that's what it leads to when i first heard that though to me i thought that was weird I didn't get where we were going. I was like, why would you just, why would your ex-husband randomly kill? So and also, why wouldn't you say beca- that two weeks ago? Right. Well, here, so it's because of the question, right? Yeah. That, so first of all, off. she, so we're going to learn here in a second that the ex-husband attacked her a couple weeks ago, right? Uh, but, two days prior uh, to two this. Days. Two days prior. But she doesn't think that's relevant. Mm-hmm. She doesn't, it, it has nothing to do with anybody else but her. Yeah. And she's got this guy out of her life. So she doesn't think it's relevant. So why would she bring that up? It has to do with the question, who do you think would have done this? Mm. Oh, my God, my my ex-husband. He just did that to, to me. It sound, that's what it sounds like. So an ex-lover type. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. how, how it's going. A brilliant question, you know. I mean, they weren't, they didn't necessarily, like, they weren't necessarily friendly with her. I mean, they, they might have thought that she was hiding something too, or you know, wasn't being I, at completely first I did truthful. Too, yeah. But it's just a question: who, who else? Like, who, who do you think would do something like this? Because she's in charge of all these people. Yeah, you know? that's true. And that's they're true. thinking that it's somebody because it's somebody who has access to the base for sure. So, based on that question, she says her ex-husband. 
Lewis Jones Jr. Mm-hmm. He's a 22-year retired Army Ranger. He retired as a Master Sergeant. Uh-huh. He's pretty. He was a pretty big deal when he retired. He's he, an E8. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they had originally met uh, overseas and gotten married. Uh, he was pr- married when they met, though. So mm-hmm. there was a little scandal going on there mm-hmm. because adultery is illegal in the, in the military. In the military, yeah. They hadn't been married for very long before he became became pretty abusive towards her. I mean, right down to rape. She ended up divorcing him in 1994. um, And he ended up moving closer to the base and even got a job on base as like a bus cab taxi driver. Yeah, he he was like a shuffle. Yeah, the shuttle. Shuttle driver or something. Yeah. uh, So he could stay in her face, stay around her. Mm -hmm. You know, he wanted to have control. He wanted to be able to show up and have access to her. Uh, but if he retired from 22 years, did they not keep VA benefits back then? Would he not have been able to get on base anyway? I thought about that too. I was like, was that was it different back then? Yeah, you can. But I think what they're trying to say is he... That's just the way they chose that he had access to the base. Well, yeah, he, he could drive around in the, in the van and, um, you know, you can't like... I don't live on a base. I can't, if I just start going and driving around the base, it's going to eventually look suspicious to somebody, you know? Oh yeah, that's true. Just going on base, I guess. That, so that makes sense. Then she tells the investigators about this incident that you had mentioned. Mm-hmm. So now remember February 18th is when I said, Tracy goes missing. So two days prior on February 16th, Lewis breaks into Sandra Lane's house. He held her at gunpoint. So he has a gun and then he forces her to leave him a phone a voice message on his phone. So he's like planting mm-hmm. evidence of her asking him to come over and say that she missed him and stuff. So she's he's making her plant evidence. Right. Unbelievably brilliant. Yeah. Just wait. So if they if if she tries to say he did this to me, he's going to be like, how could look at this? Listen yeah. to what the message she left. Yep. That's kind of stupid because she'd be like, well, he forced me to do that at gunpoint. And it's gonna add, it's gonna start adding up to his to her. I can side imagine anyways. in his yeah. head he probably feels pretty highly about himself and his service. So he probably is like, I'm yeah. like a well decorated 22 year vet. They're gonna like you know listen mm-hmm. to me over her. A woman is probably I feel like what he was thinking. Yeah, possible in '95. Yeah. So he kidnaps her and rapes her. She did not report it. She just wanted. She requested a transfer to go back overseas. And she just wanted to like be done with it and move away. Uh-huh. So she didn't originally. That's why she didn't originally. Yeah. So it. it's not relevant to this missing person. Do you mm-hmm. see how? Like I, 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 you know, we always have a thing. You say you let us decide what's what relevant. what's relevant, right? But that's when we're sitting in front of you, right? She, like, yeah, they called her in. She, the initial talk, like this is not even crossing her mind. Is like, why would my ex? No, it, it's not even. You know, because they still think she might have left on her own, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So then he also, she also talks about on the 18th, they had a phone call that night where she tells him that she's like completely done. She wants nothing to do with him. She's moving to get away from him. And he is angry. It's not a pleasant conversation. Mm-hmm. So just more like motive that he was, you know, angry. Mm-hmm. Then investigators do something that I think is really uh, cool. I told you it was a good investigation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, 
because specifically OSI agents. Yeah, we do good investigations. Yeah, it was pretty cool. They convince her to make an official report on that incident, mm-hmm. on that rape and, you know, holding her at gunpoint, kidnapping her and everything, because they don't really have anything on him. Well, it's also a felony crime, so they're going right. to have to, you know, do something about it, right? But specifically, they don't have anything yeah. on him for the kidnapping. Right. But what they do have as a suspect in this, this rape. So they're able to get a warrant to go arrest him mm-hmm. and they go to his house and they're able to arrest him and bring him in. Uh, and he pretty much immediately fesses up to what he did to Sandra, to mm-hmm. his ex-wife. Yeah. Which another a part that I recognized was one of the the other, the Texas law enforcement agent. He said that people don't normally confess to things like yeah, that right away. Is that it, in your right, experience? Yes, the sex assault, rape type of stuff. Because you got to tap dance through a lot of shit. And usually it starts with a night out and alcohol. And in this case, it was a marriage and divorce and all kinds of other stuff. And and as you're navigating through that, they're rationalizing in their head, what what can I get away with? What can I lie? Where can I tell a fib here? And that, and that kind of thing. So it usually, usually wear them down until you, well, wait a minute, what about this? And okay, you're right. You got me on that one. Yeah. But he instantly... Okay, you got me right right away confessed. Because he was hiding something else. Because he was hiding something else. Because he did something even worse. So this is on March 1st. I forgot to mention March 1st when he Mm -hmm. was brought in. And then around 6.30 p.m. is when this is all happening, this Uh interrogation. Don't know if that's relevant to you, the time of day. So then he he does... Oh, he called in what time? uh, This is happening at 6.30 p.m. at the police station. Okay. Why? Does that matter? Well, uh, that's when they started the interrogation? I think so, yeah. They were waiting for him at his house for when he got off of work. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. All right. Um, So then he finally, you know, they slowly start to bring her up. Yeah, that's a challenge. Hold on, back up. That is a challenge because he's been up, he got up early in the morning and he worked all day long. Mm -hmm. So you have a a voluntariness standard when you're doing a subject interview. We've talked about this before, I know. Yes. So they have to go into this thinking, we don't have much time because when it, if it gets late, he's been up all day long. It, has he eaten? we got to feed him, those kind of things. Because then it'd be too easy for him to say, well, I was coerced because I've been up for 30 hours or whatever the case might be. Like, so, Haven't you spent point. a lot of time like that in front of someone? How do you? Yeah, yeah. I spent two days. Um, the, you just, there's things you do. I'm not going to uh, tell you what you do, but there are uh, things you do to pay attention to that kind of stuff. Uh, like you feed them, <laughs> you take them to the bathroom. Yeah, you just have to be cognizant of those things. Clearly, they thought about it, and this was the only safe way to to get him his way from to come out, come back from work. From her description, he sounds pretty violent. So yeah, yeah so okay. So he does finally confess to abducting and killing Tracy McBride. So this is the first time because this whole time they've been working. It's been two weeks. They're working on the assumption that she's still alive, right? Her, their, her family, everyone. They're trying to assume that she's still yeah. alive. I mean, they probably went in, like, they don't have any information that, they really don't have any evidence that he, he kidnapped her, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, again, good good police work, right? Good investigative work, because they're like, hey, why did he confess so much? I wish I knew the details about, I'd love to watch that interview, right? The details about how, how they broached that topic. Oh, okay, yeah. so, hey, do you know, they probably went, hey, so did you do you know anybody in her that she supervised? 
you know, I don't know. They probably, hey, what about this girl, you know? Yeah, because based off of what we know about how he's going to try and cover everything up. Yeah. He, like, you would think that he would know that and just not talk, right? Or, or he, he should have started bringing it up then, you know? Yeah. So he does uh, confess, and then he takes investigators to where he he left her, her body. Yep. Uh, he said that he couldn't give directions. This is something that I read in one of my articles. Mm-hmm. He couldn't give them directions, but he could take them there. So they actually go out there with him. Yeah, I, I spent a couple hours driving with the, a bad guy recovering evidence. I remember so, you talked about that, yeah. too. So what he tells them is that he took her back to his house. He... Or I'll talk about this later. Let's talk about the crime scenes first, then, and the autopsy, because mm-hmm. that's relevant too. Okay, they, so they so found they found her twenty-seven miles north of San Angelo in Coke County, off of Texas Route two seventy-seven. This is two thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. So she's under like a bridge, uh-huh. essentially. There's blood splatter on the walls and the ceiling of this bridge. Um, she's completely dressed in uniform, looks perfect. Everything is like tucked in the way, way yeah. it's supposed to be. Yeah. So originally they don't think that a sexual assault has taken place. Yeah, they, they would. It seems like they were feeling pretty good about this. Like, oh, goodness, thank goodness. Two and of they, her. I'm sorry, what? But the blood spatter suggests that yeah. it was violent. Mm-hmm. Two of her like hair clips and a pair of glasses were found near her body and that she was, I'll just tell you now, she was, because we're going to talk about the autopsy, she was hit over the head with a tire iron. So mm-hmm. uh, they are saying that those can't, her glasses came off in that when that mm-hmm. happened. So she died from injuries to the head and brain is like the official. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had at least nine major lacerations to her head, showing it would have been a tire I- iron or a similar item that mm-hmm. he hit her with. There were large pieces of bone missing from under her scalp and her brain was exposed. The medical examiner testified that it would have taken a tremendous amount of force to cause those injuries, continuing to say, we hardly even see that with our major traffic, major traffic accidents. Mm-hmm. So that is yeah. the autopsy. You know, when, when a subject confesses and you have no evidence, that's always challenging because the subject can recant their confession, right? And you... So usually when you get the confession, you're like, okay, well now we have to piece this together and go collect evidence. Don't really have any evidence, but he took them to the body, mm-hmm. which is which is why that was a good move. You know, as soon as he says, well, I can't give you directions, but I can take you there. Okay, T- like take us there. The bad guy, they, they might have even filmed that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the bad guy, he took us there. So he, he, like this is adding up, and now he can't get out of that. While he's on the stand. Well, they, he also. I suppose he could say that he, he was just a witness. Well, he implicates his house. He implicates himself in his house and they go mm. to his house. So how, how do you get out of that? Because yeah. in his confession, he says right. that he, uh, where am I reading? Oh, oh, oh he okay. He took we her didn't, back to his yeah, house. We didn't, I was coming back yeah, to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. No, yeah, right, you're right. I'm just kind of t- where we're at now in the storyline. Yeah. Okay. So he tells them that he took her back to his house. He uh, sexually assaulted her, forced her to clean herself up, tied and gagged her, and put her in his closet. Mm -hmm. He then later had a friend over. This part I read in another article. He later had a friend came over. He tried to come on to that friend, and she said no and left. She used his name. She said his name out loud, and that's why he said he decided to kill Tracy, because she was in the other room, and she would have heard his name out loud. Ah, uh, right. So now they got a warrant and they're going to the house and now they're going to mm-hmm. piece all this together, try to corroborate their story, piece it all together. So now they're going to do yes. some stuff. 
He says that he cleaned her uniform, so he washed mm-hmm. it. He dressed her, and he had her walk on towels out of his house so there would be no fibers found on her or in the house. Mm, okay. She was in his closet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they'll they'll look for evidence of that, you know. Yep. So they, they go to the house. They see all of that. Uh, and he goes to trial in October of 1995. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're seeking the death penalty. His defense is going to be Gulf War Syndrome, which is I had never heard of that before. It yeah. sounds like PTSD. Yeah, it's 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 similar. Um, he said he ex- uh, suffered from gas exposure in Iraq. Yeah. There was a lot of like the oil burning and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So um, they also he also talks about how he comes from an abusive home. Uh, the murder weapon I should also mention was never found. That's never been found. Right. So he was abused when he was no, a child. Well, the gun, yeah. He was abused when he was a child, and then Gulf War syndrome. There's a lot that happened in between there too. But like, okay. Yeah, you served your country for 22 you years can, and nothing I, ever. I'm sorry you, you were anything. abused, and I'm sorry you have PTSD or whatever. You know, but you still can't kill people. Yeah, and he funny went, thing. Funny thing about the law. He went all those years without. Yeah, I know doing anything but so what, now all of a sudden so what kind of trial is this what what do you mean it's capital murder right i think death penalty right trial yeah mm-hmm. all right so he tells his he tells counselors that he threw the gun away at a convenience store in a convenience store trash mm-hmm. can like mm-hmm. outside of a store and then a few days later he decides to kill himself so he wants to go back and get the gun and he goes back but the gun is gone mm-hmm. which like I don't know why you thought the gun would still be there. Mm. Either someone stole it or it the trash got taken out. Bad people are usually <laughs> dumb. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, he does eventually go on to say that he did kill Tracy because he she looked like his ex-wife. They had had that phone call conversation that I had mentioned where she told him that he, she was done, she was leaving, she wanted nothing to do with him. But it was still a was target angry. of opportunity because he, yes. he drove by he driving around, he and saw he her. saw her, the light was like, he saw her in the building and then, um, so it was a target of opportunity and it just so happens yes. that well, it she was so, like it, He ended up being so brutal mm-hmm. about it because, because yeah, yeah, like so it ended right, up happening right, that yep. way. Yes, he, he took out a lot of anger. Uh-huh. He said he had an out-of-body experience during it, and he saw black smoke like he had in Kuwait, and even said he heard Satan laughing. So, again, more to his defense Mm. of PTSD, essentially. There was two days of testimony, and the jury was out for only 65 minutes. I think they call it... That's the quickest I've seen. So, I think they call it... um, There's a term for it they call. I'm surprised they didn't have them, like, evaluated to stand trial but they must it all yeah it all worked out the jury said nope we don't buy it this yeah yep we they, we don't we don't buy it you still murdered murdered her yeah that like you it's know? not a valid defense in mm-hmm. this case yeah mm-hmm. i i guess there's some i don't really know the technicalities but i guess was it a matter of um, the death penalty and not getting the death penalty? I don't I th- think it was. I, I don't. I don't. So. This is a federal case, I think. So um, I don't think they had any option. So he, they either found him guilty or not guilty, and he got the death penalty. I think they can still choose because in the case that we're going to talk about next week, mm-hmm. they had the option and they end up taking it. I, the death I don't know that. Off. I don't know that that they did in this case. I think it was a federal case. Um, the next week is a federal case also. Oh, okay. Well. And they had the option in that one. And so, only three years nevertheless, <laughs> they they 
they convicted him. Yes, they decide the jury was out for 65 minutes. They decide that he did intentionally kill Tracy. Um, they had to submit aggravating factors by the government. So the government submitted aggra- aggravating factors. That's what I was going to talk about. The ones that they submitted as to why he should get the death penalty was because I think that that's why they submitted these. The future danger that he posed to the public. They mentioned Tracy's young age, slight stature, background, and unfamiliarity with San Angelo, Texas, which I thought I didn't know that could be an aggravating factor. That's interesting. Her unfamiliarity with yeah, he took advantage of him. That's of her. Right, so I mean, maybe sense, this was a case. That. So was this a case where they convict and then they go in and decide the death penalty? Well, he confessed. So the trial, it was I think based on death penalty or not. Right. Okay. Um, he does get the death penalty because of these aggravating. Factors. But he didn't plead guilty, though. Oh, no. guilty based on insanity or something like that. Yeah. Um. So I, it's not. It's not insanity. I can't remember. It's not the insanity plea. It's um, substantial incapacitation or something like that. It, mm. It's called. Um. Okay. All right. I I, I get it. I, I get what's going on now. Yeah. All they're right. deciding. Sorry. They. I yeah. had. I hadn't read. No. No. Far. And we don't. That's. We just like talking about the case. So, okay. Oh, I'm just talking about these aggravating circumstances. Yeah, I'm basically yeah. done. Uh, her personal characteristics and the effect of the instant offense on Tracy's family constitute an aggravating factor, which I thought was interesting. Also. Yeah. Okay. So it was because it was 65 minutes to decide uh, if he did intentionally kill her or not. And then this was for sentencing. So after six and a half hours, the jury decides on the death penalty. So uh, yes, okay. it was. I all hadn't right. scrolled far yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. So after six and a half hours and all the aggravating circumstances, the jury does decide on the death penalty. March 18th, 2003, he is put to death by lethal injection at the U.S. Penitentiary Terry Hot in indiana he is actually the last person to be put to death federally until daniel lee lewis in july of 2020 Mm -hmm. so for 17 years he was the last one yeah so they went 17 years and then hold on real quick they went 17 years of no executions and then had three back-to-back july 14th 16th and 17th of 2020 federal government woke up and said time to punish some people it, it, it was the president i think so oh really yeah I'm pretty sure he probably said not guilty by reason of san- uh, insanity or incapacitated at the, at the time of the event, right? Because Everything I read just yeah. said that he was claiming yeah, yeah. Gulf War syndrome. I didn't. Well, see, yeah, like, an so it's probably right. So it's probably that, and they um, and they probably had to decide. But guilty or guilty come came with a um, death penalty. Uh, the death penalty. So then the jury also they were deciding deciding that. Okay, that, all right. Yeah, okay, for the aggravating circumstances. Okay, all right. Well, he's he got executed when March eighteenth, two thousand three. Two thousand three. Mm-hmm. So ninety five. So thirteen years. Two thousand three. Oh, ninety five to two thousand is five years. Five. One. Oh, three eight more years. years. <laughs> eight years. Wow, that's wow you're bad yeah. at math. Well, remember, we've established that up front in this podcast. I was trying to think. Uh, see, I do everything by how old I was yeah, when what yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think Well, you were three months old when, um, when you got executed. Or I, was, his court. I was three months old? Yeah. In 2003? No, 95, when you get um, convicted. When did I say it was? What October. Month? October? 95. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Not that's, 2003, though. That's a good one. Excellent, excellent investigation. 
excellent outstanding investigation. Are we a little biased? <laughs> no. It was I listen, I I enjoyed his what's the word I'm trying to th- say? what he said about the color of his skin and how he was like, okay, I hear that that's what you're saying, but I'm going to leave it open to a broader. I think that is a, is what every law, every person, every law enforcement yeah. should, should think how they, and should also think. the two guys that said, Hey, something's not right. Let's go, yeah. let's go help. Let's track this down. Call 911. So they get 911 going, you know, that's a, that's a big part of this. Um, yeah. What if they eventually got, got to it because they would have still been talking to her they might have yeah because they might you know they would have had the dead ends and then they've talked to her they might have got there but um but that was key i think well and it helped for like witnesses and you know the the description so i didn't mention that the description i think it looked like him i did think it looked like because so it, it it helped them with context say hey this is this is something this is foul play here. We yeah. know because these guys got knocked over the head. So it, you know, it also corroborated her family and friends saying, yep. "Hell no, she did not go AWOL. They might have would not have left. They might have let it linger for a while. Said, "Wow, well, you know, maybe she went AWOL. Let's mm-hmm. see if she turns up. That type of thing." Before they talk to that sergeant. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yep. So that is it for this week. Thank you guys for being patient with us. Yeah, it's as- good to be back. Yes, as always, you know, we appreciate you giving us the space to be a family podcast. We talk about that a lot and having, mm-hmm. you know, family things going on. So we are still here. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Archives Podcast. As always, we're on Twitter at TC Archives Pod. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, and that's where we post all of our updates and everything. And we will be back next week. Later. Bye. Bye.